this is a great church. Never think anything smaller than that. Always, you serve a big God, so always dream big. That's our, that's our theme in Merced. If you're going to dream, dream big. You don't serve a little God. You serve a big God, so dream big. If you're going to pray, pray big prayers. Pray stuff you don't think that God can do because he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly. If you're going to believe God for anything, believe God for something big. Way beyond your imagination because he is able to. He is able. He is able. Man. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 10. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry. Right book, wrong scripture, 924. I'm sorry, it's my part. Oh, they got it right. They're following my notes. I'm not even following my own notes. All right, so. <laughs> know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run. Everybody say, so run. so run. You run so you may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I like taking my text in that little phrase, striving for the mastery. That's what we're going to be doing. That's what we should be doing. Striving for the mastery. All right. I'm just going to help me preach here in a minute. Okay, good. Hey man, we had great music. Let's give the music department a powerful, yeah. We had that one little group with the jazz in there. Goes all right. Hey man, you may be seated. It it, it seems that to me, at least in my diminished mind, that the Apostle Paul had a fascination with the discipline of the Roman soldier and the discipline of the Greek athlete. In our text, he paralyzes the triathlon, the marathon run with a spiritual race. And these games that these runners and, you know, Olympians competed in, only one of them could win a prize, and it was like a, I think they said it was an olive, olive branch crown that faded at some point and withered up. And he says, but we are in a race as well, but we're not running for a corruptible crown. Right. We're not running a 440 relay. We're running a marathon race. So it's not coming in first or coming in the middle are coming in last that is the most important thing. The most important thing in the race that we in is simply getting across the finish line. 
So we're not trying to run fast. We're trying to run sure. The Bible says the race is not given to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. So it's this thing, it's not how fast you're running or how strong you are, is that you simply have what it takes to finish the race. Doesn't matter if you come in first place or last place. What matters is you cross the finish line. You're, you're striving for one thing, to win the prize. Everybody said to win the prize. The prize is Jesus. That's why we're running this race. So you got to be serious about the race. You got to be determined to run, to win, to finish. Therefore, we're temperate and disciplined. Everybody said, in all things. Our crown is a crown of gold. It will not wither away. It is, the Bible said it's saved up for us. He's, he, God wants you to finish the race that you're in today. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and 10, there are, it may be so many kinds of voices in the world, none of them without signification. There are many voices. Each voice is trying to get your attention. That's what signification means. Uh, they want your ear to hear them. They want your mind to think who they are. We must understand that uh, these voices and things that we're hearing to try to capture our intention can get us off course if we're not careful. We have digital stuff all over the world and we have billboards and you know um, advertisements and everybody wants you to buy their product they want you to commit to their brand you know uh, Starbucks just took a cup of coffee that used to be 25 cent and drank all you want until you couldn't drink anymore and they put a funky little logo on it and put some milk in there and told you it was a latte. And then instead of 50 cents, they charge you $5 for it. That's why I don't drink that stuff. <laughs> I'm going to go down to the little neighborhood cafe and say, let me give me that 25 cents and get me a cup of coffee. That's all I need. Get, I'll make my own latte without the funky little logo and I'm good. <laughs> what is that? It is brand laboring, it is to influence you that this cup of coffee is going to make you suave. Yeah. And so it's to influence you, is to have signification in your life. It is to provide you with a, uh, a feeling of you're a part of something bigger than yourself. If I'm going to be influenced by anything at all, I want to be influenced by the power of the Holy Ghost. If I'm going to be influenced, if I'm going to lend myself to something, I want to find out what is it going to take for me to win this race that I'm running. Signification is there to get you to buy in, to you get you there to, to run, get you there to take that brand, but... We have the word of God that is saying, listen, keep your eye on the prize and, 
and keep the prizes, Christ. And we, we're running for this incorruptible crown. And you need to run. And you don't need to run fast. You just need to keep running. Everything about this is to influence you. Signification. Every commercial is to influence you, to get you to buy into what they're selling or what they're doing. If I'm going to get anything, I, I want to, I got to get something that impacts my spiritual life to a point that it gives me the desire to run even when I don't feel like running. I have to watch, you, you have to watch what you give yourself to. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, watch what you give yourself to. Why is that? Because whatever you give yourself to is what you ultimately will become. And I'm knowing, I'm taking it slow here. I don't, I, once I hit my speed, you, I don't want to leave you behind. <laughs> Steph Curry, he doesn't pop three points on accident. He goes to the gym probably every day. And he marks the three corners. He's, he marks the three the places from where all around the little circle there and on the end points where he wants to pop those three pointers. He does it every day religiously. He's in the gym because he understands if I keep giving myself to it, this is what I'm going to become. He understands the science of muscle release and reflection. And he understands if he, he, he learns how to jump at the right height, and your brain, they would take a, a computer as big as <coughs> probably Sydney to do what your brain does inside of your head. And your, your, your muscles knows exactly how far and how much thrust and how much push to, you're doing this without a computer. You're exercising geometry in your head. Don't ever let anybody tell you you're dumb or stupid. They don't know anything. You got a brain that does complicated stuff in its head without any kind of pattern. You don't have to have a computer to do it. Your brain knows how to do all this stuff. So he knows exactly how to jump, how, how, how far to get up off the ground, the arc of his arm, the, the speed, and how to let it roll off his fingertips in order to hit that three. Because whatever you give yourself to is what you will become. So I say amen. Was Michael Jordan extraordinary? Probably, but he gave himself to the game. Football players give themselves to the game. Anybody that becomes anything and anything will give themselves to it. Because whatever you give yourself to is what you will become. Drug addicts become drug addicts because they give themselves to the drugs. You will become whatever you give yourself to. It's the law of nature, and so if that's true, I'm going to give myself to God. Because whatever I give myself is what, okay, all right. I'm going to give myself to prayer. 
because no matter what I give myself, that is what I'm become. I'm going to give myself to worship because whatever I give myself to is what I will. I'm going to give myself to Jesus. Every morning, in the evening, in the night, in the day, I'm going to visit the altar and say, Lord, I give myself away. I give myself to you because I realize no matter what I give myself to, it's what I ultimately will become. You're not going to be successful in God on happenstance. You're going to have to give yourself to it. Proverbs, it says through Desire a man having separated himself, seeketh an inner meaning with all wisdom and sin. You have the capacity and the drive within you. Despite what you think, despite what you know, if you give yourself to God in every way you can, you have potential and you draw yourself. And God is drawn to your desire. And he's drawn to your potential. He's drawn to you because if you begin to give yourself to the Lord in every way you can, it creates a hunger down in your soul. And God is drawn to hunger. God is drawn to those that crave after him pulls God to you. All you have to do, if you lift your hands and you say, I'm reaching after you, God is drawn to that. God will not leave you there by yourself. If you don't want him, he will not come around. But if you have this desire said, I don't know who you are. I don't know. If you're real, show yourself to me. And God will come right where you are because he is drawn by that hunger and by that desire. And you got to understand, friend, you got to get hungry for God. You got to get thirsty for him. And God will move toward you. There is no obstacle that God can't jump over. There is no situation that God, that you can manufacture, that God cannot reach you. It doesn't matter where you are. You can be on a desert island all by yourself. But if you lift your hand, you have the power of one. You can lift your hands and begin to call on the name of the Lord. You don't need a whole congregation. You don't need a band. You don't need a choir. All you need is hunger. All you need is desire. All you need is some hands. To lift up. God, are you here? Are you with me in my darkness? Are you with me in my pain? God will settle now. Somebody shout amen. He will settle down right on you. You don't believe me? Ask the Ethiopian eunuch. He's in the middle of the desert. He's reading a book. He has no idea what it's talking about. He's reading the book of Isaiah and God now takes up a man and whips him in and says, this guy like, do you know what you're reading? Where'd you come from, bro? God sent me here to tell you. See, that's supernatural. We don't serve just a God. We serve a supernatural God. Listen, he is the God you, you got to get this one. He is the God of the one. You said, what does that mean? If you were the only one, he still would have died at Calvary. 
I know some of y'all don't believe that. You need to hear the, the bald-headed black guy right now. If you're the only one, he would have still died for you. If nobody else in this world wanted him, but you want him, he will come right to where you are. There is nothing that can stop him. There is nothing that can hold him back. The wind can't stop him. The worries can't. Come on, somebody. Nothing that you've gone through can stop him from reaching you. He will come through hell. He'll come through high water. He'll come around the way. All you got to do is say, I need you, Jesus. In the power of one, he'll be there with you. Everybody says, I have potential. All right, one person said back here. Everyone said, I have potential. You wouldn't be here if you didn't have potential. Doesn't matter the obstacles you're facing. God has a way of seeing things that we don't see, hearing things that we don't hear, sensing things that we cannot sense. Adversities, challenges, obstacles, it's, those are the things we kind of focus on. Like he was saying, Jurassic Jesus. I like them. I'm going to. I told him I was going to steal the sermon and call it Jurassic Jesus, you know. <laughs> I thought about it, Brother Shaw, and I figured if you, if you change a few things in a complication of a math deal, the outcome is out different. If you just move things around, and the outcome is always different if you begin to change the numbers. So I said... Okay, help me see better. So I got this little thing, it's, you know, and you, of course you guys know I'm partly crazy, partly demented, 100% thug, you know. <laughs> so I began to change the way I saw obstacles. And it started like, I just, then I began to, Changed the way I saw challenges. And I come up with this conclusion. A challenge for me is nothing more than an opportunity for him to show me my challenge is nothing that he cannot come. My obstacles now begin to be an opportunity for God to prove to me how powerful he is in my life. My adversities now become a door for God to step in and say, have you any rivers that seem impossible? Have you any mountains that you cannot tunnel through? God God specializes in things that seem impossible. He is the impossible God. He is the dinosaur-killing God. He is the God that raises from the dead. He is the God that cures your sicknesses and disease. Your situation is nothing more than an opportunity for God to show you, I can do that. Wait a minute. I've got a... I got a report from the doctor that cancer is going to kill me and there's no medical cure. And God said, I can do that. 
His wife is a two-time survivor of cancer. My wife is a survivor of cancer. I don't get to marry two or three times. I'm married to the same woman. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And when you give me in an impossible situation, I'll give you a God that knows no impossibilities. All things are possible with him. I wish I had somebody help me preach up in here. All things, all things, whatsoever things that are impossible with man are possible with our God. I serve a God that everything is possible. So if you're going to dream, got a big gossip so if you're going to dream, dream big. Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. I always have a problem with that scripture. Until I understood what it meant. Here's what it's not saying. We interpolate, and interpolation is we transpose and interpolate things and make them work out the way we want to again. But with the formula here, you got to keep the formula right if you want to get the right answer to it. What we do is we put words in there that's not in there. Mostly the way we say this is, and we know that all things work together for the good. There's no the there. I'm sorry. Every time I hear somebody go, well, I know all things working together for my good. There's no my there. We interpolate, we put words in there to fit us. There's no the, and there's no my. Here's our problem. We want to make it personal. Oh, don't worry, I'm good. God's working it out for my good. That's not true. Oh, come on, man, don't blow my thing here. I mean, I was. <laughs> it says it works out for good to them. We're called according to his purpose. But it doesn't define what the good is until you keep reading. And so he says, everything that happens to me is so that I can become conformed to the image of his dear son. Now, I, see, see that when, when I read that, then my brain went like, shang lang I mean, like, it was like I hit the lotto in, in Las Vegas. Because then I understood it doesn't matter if it's good or if it's bad or whether I understand it or where I'm left out in the dark that God will take every situation And work it, no matter how he can get it, to move me into position that when it is over, I am becoming more like him. And that's not always pretty. The word conform means he, is pre he uses the pressures of life. He uses the good 
and he uses the bad. He uses the up and he uses the down. He uses the things I like and the things that I don't like. He uses my mountaintop experience and when I walk through the valley low. He uses the daylight and the nighttime. He uses it when I, well, somebody help me preach. He uses it when I got money and when I'm broke and can't even pay attention. And he says, son, don't worry about it because my nail-scarred hands are farming. And it don't feel good. It doesn't feel good when God is conforming you. That means there is pressure. That means, oh, come on, somebody. And he is not a potter. He is a, he is a carpenter. So his hands are callous, and they're rough, and they're hard, and he's got me on the wheel. And I said, oh, that hurts. Yeah, I know it hurts, but when I get through with you, when I get done with what I'm doing, you ask me, God, I want to be more like you. It's going to take some pressure. It's going to. It's going to take some pressure for God. So I just said, keep on bringing the pressure. He wouldn't pressure you if you couldn't take the pressure. You need to tell the Lord, Lord, bring it on. I can take it. Oh, something I know you are. You're, you can sit there and get mad or you can say, come on, Jesus. Because when you get through, I'm going to be the devil's worst nightmare. When you... Don't look at what you are. Look at what you are becoming. And when I understood this, I understand the last verse in that chapter. What shall we say to all these things? What things? The things we go through. The up, the bad, the up and out, the back and forth, the death and that. What shall we say all the, to all these things? If God before me, who then? What then? Where then? How then can any of these things work against me? Because God is using everything to make me more like him. That's why in the middle of your trial, you ought to rejoice. And the devil wants to know, how can you rejoice? Because I'm going to be more like him. I'm going to love like him. I'm going to walk like him. I'm going to forgive like him. I'm going to heal. Come on, folks. Open your mouth. Lift your hands. Say, God, keep on working don't stop working. Every pain in your body, every heartache you go through, every downtime, all the darkness in your life, all the insecurity in your life, it's pressure from God. He's got you on the wheel. I said, keep me on the wheel. I don't want to be thrown in the potter's field. Keep me on the wheel. Make me what I want to be. Do what you got to do. But don't let me go. Hold me. Mold me. Shake me. Because I'm striving for the mastery. I'm striving to obtain a prize. Paul says, I'm pressing toward the mark of the high calling 
of God in Christ Jesus. He says, I'm I'm, I'm stretching like a man that's out of joint. I'm, my, 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 my humerus is coming out of joint, trying to get a hold of him. And the good thing about it, while I'm reaching for him, make no doubt about it, he's reaching for me. When I feel like I can't go on one more time, you, gotta, you got to run. Just, if you got to slow up, slow up. Just don't stop running because the race is not to the swift it's to him that endureth unto the end come on somebody if you gotta run with the limp run with the Jacob said I don't know if I can make it but he wrestled with an angel all night long. And the only way he could get away from the angel, his thigh bone, and Jacob had to run the rest of the race with a limp. But I'd rather run with a limp than not run at all. I'd rather run crippled than not run at all. Oh, will somebody help me? You need to shout. You need to give God praise. You need to give glory. You need to give honor because he's molding me and shaping me and fastening me to become more like him. You said you done lost your mind. No. Brother Shaw, he didn't leave this world whole. Do you understand that? Jesus didn't leave this world whole. He was broken, shattered, bruised, rejected. Do we think we're going to get out of this race any better? He never, he never stopped running. That centurion looked at him and goes, oh, wow. He thought he was going to die. He goes, no, no, no. You can't die. They'll kill me if you die. Yeah, I got to get you to Calvary. So he called this black guy. It's like, you know, I'm in the Bible. You know, black people. <laughs> this Simon the Serene, he's from, from Africa. Called this black guy and goes, I told his cross. The brother goes like, all right, man, it's cool. So his brother gets up under the cross with him. He's the first one to experience the blood of Jesus. When I look in the book of Acts, I find a cat by the name of Lucius of Serene. Uh, you just read your book. It's in there, folks. I'm not making this up. I can't make this up. They hung him up there, but he... Finished the race. That's, that's all he's supposed to do. I finished the race. I'm, I'm here. I crossed the finish line. That was it. That was it. So what I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how you cross the line. Just don't stop running the race. Because we're striving. Paul said, I press. I'm pressing. We sing songs that we don't, we don't really understand. He says, I got a purpose. And purpose, I got a potential. We were created for purpose. God put purpose inside of you. We always have challenges, but our purpose 
And then, then, then Paul writes to us that we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may be able to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm thinking like, wow, okay, it's pretty rough kind of stuff until I have to break it down. And it says, the first thing I got to prove is what is good. And then there is a comma, which makes me stop and say, okay, let me look at that. How do I prove what is good? It is pretty easy. We know what is good and what is bad. See, the Bible is very simplistic. It gives you the formula. You just have to work it out on the table. So I can look at my life and say, okay, if I'm going to serve God, that's not good. This is not good. This is not, oh, let me see, no. Hanging out with some of my old friends is not going to help me cross the finish line. It's going to take me back to the starting point. Okay, okay let's be, be seated. I, I'm watching the clock because I haven't ate, well, I did eat a little bit breakfast, but I'm getting hungry, right? Hunger in a preacher is your best friend because they will stop preaching and go get chicken, all right? But just get, and so, I don't need a whole lot of stuff. I don't need somebody breathing down in my neck. I just got to look and be honest with myself. If this, is this going to get me closer to God or farther away? If I answer correctly, if I answer honestly to myself, that is not going to get me closer to God. So that's not good for me. Is hanging around this person or those people that I used to hang around, are they getting me closer to God or taking me further away? Please don't try to make this hard when it is real simple. Once I prove what's good, and the next thing I do, I have to prove what is acceptable, comma. Notice this comma and then a conjunction. We go to school, they teach us this comma means stop, pause. Sometimes we're like people, you know, I, it's Sydney's pretty tough place, man. If you run through a red light, they take a picture of you. Then you don't go to court and try to do that. Next thing you know, two or three weeks later, there's a bill for two or $300. What's your picture? What's your, got to get there now. <laughs> Is this you? That's my cousin. <laughs> I have a twin brother that looks exactly like me. And you say that because you was driving his car. You know, like that's, what's acceptable? All things are good, but not all things are lawful. What does that mean? All things are lawful, but not all, all things are expedient. What is he talking about? He's talking about there are certain things that violates principles in the kingdom of God that I need to watch. I have to know my danger zones. For me to go in certain places, it's not acceptable to me. Now, you may go there and you don't have a problem with it, but my, I have spider senses that go off. Now, ding, 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 ding. Danger, Will Smith, danger. <laughs> we went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It was uh, spring break. I'm sorry. I had my Ray-Bans on. I mean, I did everything they told me to do, right? Put your Ray-Bans on and look at the horizon. 
It wasn't working. I mean, it's spring break. There's all these hotties out there. Here's, I mean, there's Bambi. Just bounce. I mean, it goes like, oh, my God. And I'm, I'm like, my wife said, are you okay? I said, no. I am not okay. She said, what's wrong? I guess I'm having a problem with my eyes. I just, my allergies are acting up. I'm going to keep it real with you folks. Y'all can, you know, y'all can play games with God if you want to. No, I'm going to keep it real. So we walked a few more down the beach, and then maybe a couple more feet. And here comes another. Oh, she's got, I, the image is implanted in my mind. It was a, a lime green two-piece bouncing across the sand. And my wife goes like, oh, my God. Would you look at that? And I said, I think I will. <laughs> it was an invitation I could not refuse. And then she summarily said, I will poke your eyes out. I said, you told me I could look. Make up your mind. You want James Brown? Or do you want Stevie Wonder? Even Stevie would have said, isn't she lovely? <laughs> isn't she wonderful? So I stopped in the sand. My pastor was not there. I didn't have a Bible in my hand, but something was telling me, this is not acceptable to you. I don't need a Bible study. I don't need a... I don't need a King James or a new King James or an Amplified. Something in my heart said, run, Forrest. Get out of here, boy. This ain't good for you. This is not good. This is not acceptable. This is not the will of God for you. Run. Quit playing with God. Quit playing with yourself. If you're in a position, you know you're not supposed to be there. Run. I stopped. I stopped right there. And I told my wife, I said, you know what, this ain't working. Me looking at the horizon, the sunshine, it, it's not getting it. And I want to stay saved. But most of all, I want to stay married. <laughs> but the third thing, I don't need my wife's index finger poking in my eyeball. <laughs> So I made an executive decision. There was a little shop right here. I went and got me a, a very large bag of popcorn and the largest soft drink I could get. And I told my wife, have fun. She said, where are you going? And I pointed. I said, look over there. And there was a dock. I says, I'm going over yonder. She goes, like, what are you doing? I said, I'm not going to make this journey here, but I want you to have fun. I can't do this. I know where my danger zones is. She said, well, what are you going to do over there? I said, sitting on the dock of the bay. 
watching the tides roll away. Because I can handle the tides. I can't handle Bambi. I, I can't handle the fuchsia pink and the red lime green just bouncing all over. Oh, the devil is a liar. I ain't going to hell for nobody. I got to get to Satan. I got to get to safe ground. I got to get, come on somebody. There's something in me saying, you got to get out of here, boy. This ain't for you anymore. That's the old you. There's a new man living in my shoe. I'm striving for the mastery. I'm running for the prize of the high calling. mind regrettably there are no time machines you can't go back in time fix your mistake it's proven you go back in your past you manipulate one thing your changes your ultimate future we're created for his purpose you're created for his plan you're designed to overcome these things when God designed you he did not make a mistake in your design you need to expect God to show you opportunities out of things that look like they are adversities. God has a way of making blessings come where you don't think they'll come to him. He, he brings growth and abundance to his own word. You know, it, it, it's, it's time we quit wasting time. Transformation is a real, it's a real process. It isn't easy. Kingdom dynamics require spiritual actions. God will do his part when you do yours. People do not leave God because they don't love God. You see, God sees your potential and he has a plan. Then he gives you purpose, and all of that works. Then he has the power to work the plan. The problem with all of that is the fifth determining factor of me running the race, and that's called process. And most people walk away from God because the process seems too long. Because we think, I should have been perfected by now. Why am I still going through this? If I thought I'd be further along by now. And now the process becomes grueling. And then we give up. We never give up on God. Most people don't give up on the church. Most people don't give up on, on their potential. But they give up because the process is grueling. I never ran a marathon. And folks, if you're a marathon work runner, I mean, I got nothing but love for you. But I ain't running 26 miles if the popo ain't after me. <laughs> the only reason I'm running is this guy got a gun and I'm hauling. Oh, are you crazy? I'm hauling. They say in every marathon, though, that your body gives up. You get to a point where exhaustion sets in. You've been running for five miles, seven, 
10. It happens sometimes they say around the 18th or 19th or 20th mile. If you don't have that, you come so far, but you have a little bit more to go. And that's when fatigue begins to set in. And what happens in there is everything in your body, because of the process of the marathon, says, let's stop running. You're killing me. If you're not careful. You'll stop running right before you cross the finish line. Your lungs will hurt. Your blood seems like it's coagulating in your veins. Your knees are hurting from the pounding. Your ankles are hurt, every joint. And you're now you're running on sheer determination to make it to the finish line. I wonder what the butterfly feels like. He's a caterpillar. <clears throat> Wakes up one morning, he's in this dark shell don't know how he got there. It's a three-week process, but to a butterfly, that's a, an eternity. That's the way it happens to us, isn't it? We go to a Sunday night service. I got my praise on. I got my, I got my praise on. You wake up Monday morning, your praise is on Sunday night, your praise was on. On Monday morning, your praise is gone. Y'all laughing because y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and the process starts. You want to know, I get to process God, but how long? And God doesn't answer. They say the butterfly decomposes into a DNA soup. Nothing is left but its eyeballs, and there's absolutely nothing to see but the cocoon that he's in. He's left abandoned on the side of a limb, hanging upside down with the predators of every bird, every this come to pluck him at any time. The only thing that keeps him is the hands of God. He is suspended, is abandoned, and the only protection he has is God. And that's what it feels like when you're in the process. The process of becoming what you started the race to become. The process of you gaining Christ in that process is what you've got to hold on. You've got to remember why you started the race in the beginning. And if in the beginning you started the race for the right reason, then you can summon something deep down in you and says, I know the race I'm running and I know that I'm going to lay hands on the prize at the, when I cross the finish line. What's the prize? I'm going to lay hands on Jesus. I'm going to get Jesus. I don't know where you are today. Some of you are in process. Seems daunting. Seems overwhelming. You're thinking, will I ever make it there? Only if you stay in the process. Right. One day, nobody knows the time. Your process may be longer than mine. It may be shorter than mine. I don't know. I just got to stay in my process like you got to stay in your process. It's called transformation. It's called 
one day or in that darkness, the, butter, the caterpillar notices there's something different about him. After all these days, not sure when it starts, I read up on it. I called the poor man God called Google. Y'all know the poor man God, Google. He don't, Google doesn't know anything. There's some nerve creating algorithms trying to tell you what you think you know. Oh, no, no. I went to WikiLeaks. I don't know what that is. Somebody told me about it, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a baby boomer. I don't know half the stuff, you know. I think Siri's a crackhead still. <laughs> she calls me pastor, but she never pays tithe. I don't know. <laughs> All of a sudden, he starts. What, what, is, what is, he doesn't know he's developing wings. He doesn't even know what wings are. He's just noticing in that thing that he thought was a prison. In the situation he thought was going to be his end. Where he was going to die there. He's becoming something more than he can imagine. Now in that confined place. He's flexing these, whatever that is. But man, that feels pretty good. It feels like I'm fighting back. Come on, somebody. Now, I don't know what that is, but I'm pushing against something that I felt like had me bound for a long time. And if I just keep flexing, I keep getting stronger. And I feel this thing trying to break around me. I better keep flexing because I feel like in a minute this thing is about to break. I come to preach for somebody. Don't you give up now. Push it back. There's no time to give up. You're already, you're almost where God wants you to be. Flex that muscle. This ain't no time to stop praying. Pray on. This ain't start time. Come on, somebody. It ain't time to quit worshiping. Worship on. You say, what do I do? What do I do when I don't feel like worshiping? Worship is not a feeling. It's a determination. You go to work when you don't feel like it. Because of determination. I was going through a trial. I couldn't even feel God for six months. I'm like, this is crazy. Only time I felt God was in the pulpit preaching. Then time I walked out of the pulpit, no God. I'm just about done. Uh, musicians can come play soft and easy. Give them hope. <laughs> that means I hope he's done. I'm hungry. So I made up my mind. I'm going to praise the God of my salvation. I got up. I got church. Hey. Offering times. I'm going. My wife is dancing and shouting. I'm just like, 
And she goes like, hey, man, because she knew what I was going through. She goes, I was so glad to see God bless you. I said, I didn't feel nothing. <laughs> she said, well, what were you doing? I said, I was dancing. She said, well, did, well, then you was in the flesh. I said, I hope so. <laughs> if you ain't got no flesh, how are you going to praise it? You got to have arms to lift. You got to have legs to dance. This is the only thing I got to praise it. And I don't need a band, and I don't need an organ, and I don't need a... All I need to know is God is worthy of the... I can clap my hands without a beat. I can move my legs without a music. All I know, God is worthy of all my praise. When I feel like it, he's worthy. When I don't feel like it, he's worthy. Listen. Everybody's standing while you're in the process. Everybody stand. While you're in the process, and let me tell you what's going to happen to you. You will be isolated. Nobody will call you. They abandon you. God will make sure, a, a little bit lower, because they're going to think I'm really done. <laughs> Not quiet. I can't let them off the hook. They're going to think, you know, you'll start putting out calls, and nobody calls you back. Send out texts, nobody texts you back. You know, what's going on? Here's what he's already asking. Where are all my friends when I really need them? I mean, we're like, we're like soap opera people, like when the world turns. Don't act like you don't know what a soap opera is. Don't be lying to me. All of my children, you know. We're just drama queens and kings. Where's everybody when I need them? I was there for every, you know you lying. I was there for everybody, and now you're here for me. I'm going to leave the church. God puts you in isolation. All he wants you to do is make it through process. He wants to make sure when you come out of the process, he is the only one that gets the glory for bringing you through. So that, see, if somebody extricates you from the process, It'll be four times. It will kill you. That butterfly has to break out of the cocoon on his own. If you extricate him prematurely, he will flap and flap and then die. He needed the resistance of the cocoon to get strong enough to break out of that thing on his own. So the next time he's alone and the next time I'm alone,
And the next time you're alone, you understand one deal. I love my church. I love my pastor. But I can come through this thing all by myself. Me and God or a majority on our own. If I get somebody to pray with me, great. If I don't, I can pray myself through all by myself. I can dance my way all by myself because ultimately I'm going to be caught in a situation where I'm, a, I'm just a power of one. But there is a God that said if you're by yourself, you're still never alone because I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And I'll be in the fight with you and I'll be in the darkness with you and I'll be in the pain with you. And you're not going through this by yourself. Keep striving for the mastery. Keep running the race until you cross the finish. Tap your neighbor and say, run. I don't know who I'm talking to. This is not time to stop the run. Run on. Run on. Boston Marathon. I'm done. There's a steep hill called Heartbreak Hill. It is the last elevation of the run. And that's where most people stop when you get your heart broken. Things not working your way. Feel like God abandoned you. The church turned their back against you. The pastor don't return your call. It's the devil isolating you. He's trying to get you to give up. He's trying to get you to quit. He will bring everything. But you have to, if you, if you get up heartbreak hill, they tell me. Because again, I'm not running 26 miles that the rest of the race is downhill. And since I'm not caring whether I come in first or last, just as long as I'm finishing the race, my job now is to make it to heartbreak hill, whatever that heartbreak is. Because if I can get over that, the race Heartbreak Hill. Heartbreak Hill is the loved one that dies. Heartbreak Hill is the fiance that doesn't marry you. Heartbreak Hill is when your wife or your husband leaves you. Heartbreak Hill is different from all other people. Everybody's going to have one. But if I can get it to the summit of Heartbreak Hill, everything in the race helps me run. Because once I conquer that hill, the race is mine. So run.
He said, mm-mm, okay, never mind. <laughs> so, I want you to know that while you're in the race, you're not running alone. You can't see him, and oftentimes you can't feel him, but he's running the race with you. Every step you take, he takes. He's saying, come on. I ran this race. You can run it. Don't stop now. Don't give up now. I know it's heartbreak hill. I know it's all uphill from here. But once you get to the summit, the race is going to be yours. Healing is coming your way. Deliverance is coming your way. Power is coming your way. Authority is coming your way. We're striving for the mastery. What am I mastering? Myself. You're not running against anybody else but you. So you're the master of your destiny. You're not running against me. You're just running against you. You know how I know you can make the race? Because God doesn't choose losers. God doesn't pick quitters. God picks people. You can make this race. I know you can. I know you don't think you can, but I'm telling you, you can make it and you can make it and you can make it. Just keep running here. Don't stop running. Don't listen to the voice that say stop. Listen to Listen to the voice that said, come on, girl, uh, one, one more. Come on, just one more step. Just one more foot down. Just one more. Come on. Don't look at the race uh, or the miles. Uh, look at it. It's inches. Uh, if I could go one inch, I could go two. I could go two inches. I could, come on. I need somebody. Come on, get those hands in the air. Say, I can run this race. Uh, I can run it. Uh, and I can win because all I have to do is cross the finish Lift those hands. All over this building, lift your hands. In the name of Jesus, I command every opposing force, every negative voice that's speaking in the ear of your people, telling them you're not fair to them and why is this happening to me it's all a part of the race but I speak to you in the name of Jesus you have the authority you have the power you have the ability to run so run that you may obtain run when everything says stop running run on anyway run one more step one one more block one one more mile just run on I gotta see and run I'm going to win. I'm not a loser. I'm a winner. Things are not going my way, but that's okay. I got a God that's on my side that's running with me. Every step I make, he makes a step. And when I can't, he'll carry me. When I can't go on my own, he'll pick me up and put me on his back.
Last but not least, this kid is running around the track. Go back to He's running. Let's go. You can run this way. He gets by right there. Pulls a hamstring. All right, that's good. But he's, watch him. He's determined. Drag that leg. Come on, like an old school pimp, man. Drag that leg. Hold on. So he's in danger of not making it to the finish line. Hold on right there. And out of the stands, his father comes. It's a true story. Comes down to the race. Grabs his son. And the son limps with the old man. And he gets right to the finish line. And he says, okay, dad, I can make it now. And he limps across the finish line. You say, what are you trying to tell me? You can pull a hamstring. The Father will come down. I said, you can say, I can't make it. But the Father will come down. He'll get under one arm. If you really want to finish this race, he'll walk the race with you. I'm crippled, but I'm running. I'm confused, but I'm running. I'm tired, but I'm running. I don't know if I can make it, but as long as Jesus is right there by my side, I can win the race. I can run the race. Or you lift your hands, open your mouth. Come on. somebody get out of that house raise your hands I can make this race I can finish this race I can finish this race I'm striving for the mastery Because you can win this race. Tell them, run on. I know you're hurting. I know you're pain. I know you're disappointed. But run. I know you're heartbroken. But run. This heartbreak healed. But you're at the top. Run.
Listen to me. Listen to me very quickly. We're done. There was a special Olympics race. Everybody in this race had some kind of physical or mental or something situation going on. It's special Olympics. So they're running around this race. There's this running one of the little guys fell down. This is real life stuff. He fell on the track. And so one guy looks around and see, oh, this cat's not running. So he quits running. And he goes back and then it started a chain reaction. So everybody forgot about winning. And they ran back to get the one that had fallen down. And they picked him up. 
winning the race ceased to be the number one priority. Finishing the race. So they all clumped together. And they say, if I'm going to finish this race, you got to finish this race too. And they all started to hug. And they all walked. It didn't matter who was in first. It didn't matter who was last. It just matters that we all, uh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Uh, you need to find somebody. I said, it's not my priority just to be first in line, but I need you to finish the race with me. Why don't you grab a hold of somebody and say, I'm here to help you win the race. I'm here to help you. I'm not here trying to win the race. I'm trying to cross the finish line, and I don't want to cross the finish line all by myself. Why don't you find somebody, grab them by the hand, and say, it's not important to be in first. It's important to finish the line, finish the race, cross the line. Why don't you hold somebody hands up right now. Come on, let's begin to pray. Come on, let somebody hands up and say, let's finish this race. Let's cross the finish line. Turning back now, I'm not turning back 